Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. It's time for Chris and Gary's Supersonic Radio Show. It's the Sports Animals in the Morning. Woo! Finally, Aloha Friday. Happy Cinco de Mayo to you, GD. Yes, uh, what a weekend it's going to be. What a week it has been. And you go from Star Wars Day to Cinco de Mayo to Championship Saturday. I like that. Well, today is, yesterday was uh, May the 4th be with you. Today, uh, today it's actually uh, the um, Revenge of the 5th. Get it? Revenge of the Fifth. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it, but I tomorrow will be May the Sith. <laughs> All right, stop it, stop it. That's enough already. There's got to be some Gen Z invented holidays. They invented it when they were like ten. They were. All right, here we go. Top things you need to know today. Well, uh, of course, the Rainbow Warriors are facing UCLA in the national championship. Fourth time, I believe, in the in, uh, last four years, Hawaii's in the championship game looking for three wins in a row. Well, fourth time in the last four tournaments. They didn't have a tournament in 2020, ah. but this is just an incredible run for this team. And I know yesterday we we talked about the topic about maybe if they went five, would that hurt them or something they haven't gone through this year. And they do go to five yesterday against Penn State after winning the first two and in uh, obviously dramatic fashion win the fifth. So it was a great finish. All right, more on this uh, in a second here. Our Major League Baseball Hawaiians did not play yesterday, so there's nothing to report. In fact, uh, uh, did anyone play baseball yesterday? Only, Well, as far as the Hawaii players, only the Atlanta Braves played out of the four teams with Hawaii players, and Kirby Yates did not get into action. All right, we got some big action. HHSAA state championships. Let's see, what, what's going on here? Division, uh, let's see, let me look at my brackets. Uh, in division... One softball. Campbell beats Iolani three to two in eight innings. We got a heavyweight fight tonight. You can hear it on CBS fifteen hundred. The Campbell Lady Sabers against Kamehameha for the state championship on the D one side. And we've got uh, let's see who do we got on the um, D two side. Pack five is taking on Waimea in softball. Kamehameha looking for their First state championship win in baseball in 19 years. They're taking on Baldwin uh, on the Division One side uh, for baseball, and I'll grab the. Uh, um, I'm 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 in a pile of notes here on who's playing in D2, but a lot of good showings by the neighbor islands in these uh, state championships. Yeah, I know we mentioned earlier this week about Baldwin. They've been a power in baseball for a really long time, so I don't think it's a surprise that they are back in the championship game. And for Kamehameha, I forgot that it's been that long since they've won. So uh, going to be a lot of celebrating for one side, obviously, tomorrow, but two really good programs. All right. And uh, let's see, we got Rainbow Baseball tonight. 
uh, as they say in the Star Advertiser this morning, all the arms are rested and they're ready to go against uh, UC Irvine. Pretty important uh, series for Hawaii. Yeah, you want to move up in the standing. You had a tough weekend last week against bottom feeder UC Riverside. It'd be nice to get back on the winning track. And remember, it wasn't that long ago Hawaii was 7-1 and one in an eight-game stretch, but they do lose two out of their last three in conference. All right, let's go back to, uh, you know what, I just thought of something, too. Are we going to have an uh or next week or the week after, we're gonna we're gonna hear who the new athletic director is. I believe it is May the University of Hawaii. Should be coming up pretty soon. And uh, David Matlin, hopefully he'll go out with a championship at least in men's volleyball. That'd be a nice way to end his tenure at UH. But yeah, now that we are in the first week of May, we should hear something pretty soon from all the reports we heard previously. So I am curious, just like everybody else, who it'll be. But it's going to be less than a month away before he takes office, takes the oath, yeah. or she. Mm-hmm. Could okay. be either. Uh, all right, let's get back to the uh, the the volleyball game last night. Man, you go up two to nothing, and you're thinking, okay, you know what? Hey, these guys are good. Anything can happen. You lose the third, and then you're like, uh oh, okay, guys, uh, come on. You lose the fourth, and it's like, oh no, this this cannot end this way. Then they go out, so they get a six to two lead in the uh, fifth set. And you've started feeling a little better, better about yourself. Then we're up by I don't know what it was towards the end, but they started catching up again. It's like stop it, you guys are giving me a heart attack. The thing I was kind of concerned with the most is when Penn State did come back and win the third and the fourth, and the third one, 25-16, is that they had a lot of momentum going into the fifth set. And sometimes that will carry over until, again, you have a reverse sweep in those situations. Hawaii has done it for sure over the years. And I was, that's what I was most concerned with. But Hawaii did hold their own, and it was dramatic, really. Like in a perfect scenario in a way that they win in dramatic fashion, maybe as opposed to an easy sweep. Either way, it's a W, but, boy, they didn't make it easy in the end. No, they didn't. What are your, some of your observations from that? I mean, those those the, the, those, those servers – Wildman and Fisher. It it looks so. It, I mean, for the first time, I mean, it's probably happened earlier, and I just wasn't paying attention. But I mean, for the first time, Hawaii was really having trouble handling some of those serves from those guys. It was like having two Keone Thims on the other side of the net. Yeah, they, they obviously they're good to be in that position. They're one of the teams that beat Hawaii, and we talk about serve and receive often with either Charlie Wade or Tiff Weld. Other teams are going to be really strong, with that's one of Hawaii's strengths, so they did have a tough time, but I'm glad they were able to persevere and get through that, but it didn't look easy, and again, they're a really good team, Penn State. It could have gone their way. It was that close, and uh, again, I'm glad just Hawaii came out with a W, but it was a little scary there, and it was not easy at all. All right, so uh, you look at um, uh, yesterday, of course, uh, you heard the news by now that UCLA beat Long Beach State and they swept them. They yeah. they handled Long Beach State like they were a JV volleyball team. That's what makes it scary. UCLA and all we've heard about how good UCLA is, they've got the coach of the year and they've got the talent and all of that. It took us five to beat Penn State and UCLA just cruised into the uh, championship game. Yeah, it's really scary. It, I don't look at it in the way, in the sense at least, that because Hawaii went five and UCLA swept, it's going to be that much tougher. I think it's going to be tough. We know Hawaii beat UCLA, and some people will look at that. Well, hey, we beat them already. But then again, Penn State beat Hawaii earlier. That didn't mean anything. They were a number one seed for a reason. 
and obviously a little better than Penn State. They've always been a tough team. They've been on the stage before, but not winning a championship in recent years. I still feel that the experience factor, and I think it was Chaz Galloway who said after the match yesterday that even though it was the first time Hawaii went to five this year, they went to five last year against Ball State. And so they've been mm. in these situations before. So, again, a lot of these players, all the starters, again, being on this stage, I don't think the nerves will get to them. And I just think hopefully UCLA will get a little bit of that. But they are a really, really strong team. And if it's possible to have a team better than Penn State because they were good, it is UCLA. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about what you saw in the match. I, 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 You know, I'm not getting box scores from the University yeah. of Hawaii anymore, but I wanted to check that out. And I also want to look forward to. Um, I also want to look forward to Saturday. By the way, you can catch the game Saturday morning, eleven o'clock here on ESPN Honolulu. It is a televised game on ESPN two, I believe. But yeah. if you're out and about, and uh, um, you, you got to leave your house, make sure you check it out or, or listen to it at home on your smart speaker. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Honolulu. And uh, you can catch the game, of course, in your car as well. All right. So I'm looking. I'm searching it's in today's for a newspaper, box store. I know and I don't have a newspaper. Uh-huh. Um, I have a. Uh, I go online, but it's much easier to just go to the website at the University of Hawaii. There we go. You know what? It took a long time to prepare for the show this morning just because there's so much going on and so many results to go through. Demi Muklius had 25 kills, Chaz Galloway with 11, but 25 kills. And it looked, it, it was even when you were listening to Tiff Wells, uh, he was, you know, he's saying, okay, so-and-so, it's going to, um, you know that it's it's going to tell her, tell is going to serve it up for Demi Muklius. And that was the key. That was, um, that was, that was Tom Brady to Randy Moss that year in the NFL, right? I mean, that was. It was the uh, Joe Montana to Jerry Rice, I think is a better analogy, is uh, Jakob Tella to Demi Muklius, 25 kills, nine errors, though. Uh, he hit 364, which isn't horrible. It just seems like those guys have such good chemistry together. It doesn't seem like they ever make an error. Jakob almost never makes an error, one of the reasons he's player of the year. But Demetrius, I like what he said also. I didn't want to go early to go home, didn't want to go home yet. And, again, they just have so much experience, so much talent, that there's always going to be somebody that's going to get them over that hump. And it's all those players just contributing. And, again, Jakob with a great tournament, uh, great season, and Demetrius coming up with those big numbers yesterday. But it seemed like everybody really contributed, as you would expect, and uh, just glad they just got that win. Yeah, Hawaii. Um, here, here, Hawaii had 21 service errors yesterday. That's you know maybe that's why you're thinking. Okay, how come it went into five? It went into five sets. Well, that's what happens, right? Penn State had 27 though. Kind of a lot on their. But side. that's their game. You you would expect that out of Penn State. Penn State had 27 service errors because they're hitting the ball. 89 miles an hour or whatever it is. I think 67, 68 is what the radar gun was reading for uh, Wildman and Fisher. So you saw, you know, 20, and they'll take it. I, I, Tiff Wells put it perfectly um, uh, during the game. Is, um, is He's going to join us later on this morning. Uh, we'll let him sleep in a little bit and <laughs> join us a little later on. But um, he was saying, hey, you live by this, you live by the, you live, by, you live by the serve, you die by the serve. And that's what they do. That's their game. 
And so, you know, it's, you're expected. And I, I would bet if you look at their stats for the whole season, you probably see a lot of these 27 service error games. Could be. And I think Hawaii is kind of like that as well. I don't know if I want to say they live and die by the serve, but they yeah, have but some Penn guys. Penn State definitely does. Yeah, I just think they've had some guys that have gotten some power served over the over the year, and I know Charlie has talked about that at times, where sometimes he just wants them to let it go. And obviously they're keen for a certain player on the other side, but that does seem like a high number, but at least Penn State had more. And again, that's their game, I guess, but still at least Hawaii with the service aces, by the way, they were pretty much even 14 and 13. But the service... You know what? Can, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying the service aces were kind of even, but the service errors at least one in their favor, the Hawaii. <sighs> Yeah, 27's a lot. Anyway, the um, um, <laughs> the guy we mentioned yesterday, the guy who kill, um, who, who had a great game against Hawaii last time, uh, Toby Ezioni. It's our middle blocker, their middle blocker against our guy, uh, uh, Voss. Ezioni, only six kills, hitting 273. Hawaii came out and silenced him in that game. Again, I think it was an advantage watching them in person the two days earlier. You get to watch these guys now, and you have the film on each other. Okay, that's kind of a wash. But Hawaii being there and seeing what they're doing today, meaning two days earlier, that late in the season, I think they can make some adjustments and do what they needed to do to neutralize some of their guys. Well, and also Hawaii didn't have like four guys with the flu bug. I think that helped this time around against Penn State as well. What do you well, what do you mean? For the last time they had the other guys. A lot there? of the like when they lost last time and a lot of the team was okay. sick. Okay. So I think that helped Hawaii and I think that's why uh Charlie and uh, Tiff and the rest of the uh, volleyball world were a little bit more confident against Penn State this time around. By the way, the scores Hawaii uh wins the first uh set 25 to 20, the second one 25-23. And then Penn State, Hawaii us, beating us in the third set, 25-16. That's like a UCLA Long Beach State score. They come back to win the fourth. It was so close. 25-23 to again. And then Hawaii f- ends up finally winning 15-10 to uh, in the fifth set. Do we? Um, anyway, spectacular, spectacular volleyball. Uh, Penn State finishes the uh, season twenty-seven wins and four losses. They don't have a. They don't play for like a third place. It's not that kind of no. a tournament. No. They're just you're just done when you're done. But uh, good to see Cole Hoagland had a uh, you know uh, had a couple of key slam downs in that victory as well. It's almost like they weren't paying. They were not paying Cole Hoagland the respect he deserved at least in the beginning a uh, couple of games. He'd be all alone. It's like, whoa, here comes a guy flying through the air. Boom, slam down. Here's one for the Raiders. Pick your poison, I guess. And obviously, Demetrius being first team All-American, you're probably going to key on him a little bit more and expect him to get the majority of the sets. And I guess he did. But, yeah, Cole Hoagland shouldn't be left alone. All right. Um, You know, I'm waiting for what I was going to say earlier was I'm so waiting for Jakob Tella to get an ace. It's been a while. He's still tied for first place, and it's been like that throughout the Big West Championships and this NCAA tournament. Well, in the Big West Final, I think he had like eight. Oh, aces, aces. Yeah, I don't think he ace, had any in the, Gary, big, in the big West. Yeah, yeah. No, right. he hasn't. I'm telling you, he hasn't okay. because I've been waiting this whole time. He's stuck at what is it? 121? Is that what the is that what the number is? 
Oh, God. So, okay, thank you, uh, Tanner. Yeah, at, at 121, it's like, you guys are getting aces. Can you save one, please? Can you save one? We had three yesterday, one from uh, Hakas, one from Demi, and uh, one from uh, uh, Kana. And uh, it was like, oh, come on, Jakob. I mean, he's such a – I mean, it's, I don't know how fast Jakob serves, but it seems like he's he's not right up there with Keone Thimsay, but he's mm. a great – Serverer, isn't he? Yeah, again, in the Big West Championship, I think he had an 8 0 run as server, if I'm not mistaken. He was doing great. Wouldn't it be kind of fitting if he gets the game match and championship point on a service ace tomorrow? Ah, that would be awesome. 17 minutes after the hour with the sports animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're having a good Cinco de Mayo. Uh, more in the world of sports coming up momentarily, but right now it's time to check our early morning bulletin board and it's brought to you by hawaii usa federal credit union according to feeding america one in ten people in hawaii face hunger while one in six keiki go hungry here so we ask that you please give to your local food banks and uh you can visit uh like the you know the hawaii food bank visit hawaiifoodbank.org and this once again a message from hawaii usa federal credit union and espn honolulu Hope you're having a great Aloha Cinco de Mayo. That's what we call it here. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. It's just fun to say. They have that. Remember we were talking about the um, that golf tournament, the Cinco de Mayo golf tournament yes. out at Capolet, and it was for, oh, I can't remember the food bank's name on the windward side, Giving Hope Hawaii. Does that sound familiar? Anyway, so they got this big golf tournament, sold out, 160 people playing. And before they start, and I'm just going off of an email. I think this is what's going on. And good morning if you guys are headed out there or all the workers out there. And if you're a worker at Copple Lake, can you please trim the rough? Come on. I don't want to break. People can break their shoulders getting out of the rough at Copple Lake. Anyway, the, uh, they have this deal where there's is a team, like a team of people, like three or something like that. Okay, so. I'm guessing before this all starts, before the, the shotguns start, they're going to be uh, going for a million dollars. So I'm guessing, I'm guessing, I'm not, I think it's, uh, you know, they're going to go to a par three and try and hit a hole in one. But million bucks up for grabs. Imagine how sick you would be. You know, he's going through the air, it's going towards the flag, it looks like the right distance. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hits the flag stick and bounces out three feet. You're like, oh. It would hurt a little bit more than normally, I would think. And if you win, if you're on a three-person team and you get the million, do you have to split it with them? Or it's like, hey, you guys didn't do anything. I would probably think you would split it. Does it have to be 33-33-33, though? If you have the game winning. Right. Okay, the match but, winning and part. then you have a higher tax rate because it's it's one money. You know, it's like Vegas, right? So I would just I would grab the check and run away and, and don't answer your phone. Oh yeah, I would like to have that problem. Just tell us what kind of people we are. Yeah. <laughs> we thought this. Hey, through. we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk NFL with Russell Baxter from ProFootballGuru.com and uh, a bunch of other places coming up. And um, the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow. Do you see that headline? 
One of the trainers got fired because two horses died? I saw the headline. I didn't read about it. But it seems like almost every year there are either horse trainers uh, in trouble and horses well, dying prematurely. In the last several years, you hear about this yeah, too often. Lately, yeah. Um, four horses have died so far, I'm reading now. Two died unexpectedly after races, and two were euthanized due to injuries. So um, it's not unusual for horses to die from racing, but four horses in one derby week is definitely, definitely not normal. So the folks at Churchill Downs uh, are calling this highly unusual, completely unacceptable, and they are, I guess, continuing to investigate. I want. You think it's like steroids and, and things it's, like that? They've been that? used before for the horses. I think Bob Baffert is suspended for the Derby for two. Well, I know he's suspended for two years, including this year. I think because of right. PED use with some of his horses. I believe. I know he's suspended well, for that illegal yeah, activity. Lots. Lot, a lot of people say it's the greatest two minutes in mm. sports. Greatest two minutes in sports. The 149th running of the Kentucky Derby at uh, Churchill Downs and. Um, I don't know if we have. We used to have it on the radio every year on CBS fifteen hundred. I have to check our local listings, or maybe Tanner, you can check if it's handy. If we've got the Kentucky Derby, I mean, I know it's different to listen to the Kentucky Der- a race, a Kentucky Derby race on the radio uh, than it is on uh, you know watching it on television. But uh, it's that time of year again. But uh, yeah, four horses in one week have died. It's just beautiful, beautiful animals, man. I just. Uh, I, I, you know, I've never owned a horse, but I, I, I haven't ridden a horse in a hundred years. But man, those are just beautiful, beautiful animals. It is. There was a video of one of the one of the horses in the race. I think three days ago, escaping from I don't know if it was from his trailer or wherever he was training, and was running loose along the track. And they had like two other horses kind of corral him in. One kind of set a pick or a screen right in front of him, while somebody else on another horse tried to corner him off and finally got him to settle down. But that was kind of bizarre to see that. Well, those horses are incredibly high-strung. You see them when they're going out to the race. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why they all have, like, their, um, you know, a friend from the stable, yeah. so to speak. They all have a little buddy horse, and that's the, the horse's job is to just, hey, be this guy's friend. And that's why you have, the, you know, two horses going out there at the same time before they load them up. I like watching that part when they try to get him right before the race starts and some of those horses. I don't like seeing them act crazy and, you know, feel bad like that or get or that um, Well, it's not to feel bad. They're just high-strung yeah. high animals. But it is kind of fun to watch how they do get them in there like that to start the race, and sometimes it is a struggle. Yeah, yesterday the big news was um, former St. Louis football players who got into some trouble while they were students at St. Louis School, Jaden Delora, who's currently the quarterback for the University of Arizona and starting safety for the Wisconsin Badgers, uh, Kamoy Latu. So they settled that fi- file. They, f- they settled a lawsuit that was filed by, who's now a woman, was a girl um, back in the day, back in 2018, when she was ins- um, assaulted in 2018 after a football game. Uh, we're going to continue to follow this this morning to see if there's any any kind of fallout on the mainland? What have you heard from the prospective team so far? What I did hear from yesterday is that Wisconsin came out with a statement acknowledging the situation, but they said Latu will be able to play next year because the uh, act that took place was before he was a student. 
athlete at Wisconsin. And their code of conduct or their handbook, whatever they call it there, states only if you're there at Wisconsin, then something happened that you would be punished or suspended. So right now, according to Wisconsin, at least, he's good to go by their policy because the act happened before he was enrolled there. Nothing from wow. Arizona that I could find as far as the university on this. We'll keep following that. I don't know. Does it sound like Wisconsin is, is – there's no difference between Wisconsin and the Cleveland Browns? Maybe that's unfair. I think it is more fair than not. I, I, I don't like that comment, and I understand by policy that it does make some sense, but also in the court of public opinion, what do the fans think about that? And we've seen the re- reaction here in Hawaii, and overwhelming majority of fans are pretty upset with these players and saying some things online and right. social media that they should be handled because of these, these, these situ- the situation that they were involved in and punished for it. They shouldn't right, get off. That, but, that, but that's the argument we were having yesterday. I, I don't care if they're found guilty or not guilty or what Michael Green says or anything else. No dis- disrespect to Mr. Green. He's, he's probably one of the best lawyers we've had in the history of this state. But at the same time, I don't care if they're found guilty or not guilty. It's the fact that they admitted to doing this. They signed a letter saying, sorry, we assaulted you. So... Is that okay then? It's okay because it happened when you were 17 years old? It's not okay. Yeah. And I, what I don't like in some of these situations, the civil suit settles it, but it still doesn't it, uh, you know, take away the fact that they're guilty. They just settled with a victim so no further legal action might be taken because they probably gave him, her some cash, which happens in a lot of these cases. But it still doesn't hide the fact oh. what these kids did. And for me personally, that's what bothers me is that they're getting away with just a payment to make it okay. And I saw one comment that kind of said it perfectly. What if, what if this was your daughter? Would you be okay if she just got a payment and these guys basically get off scot-free besides that? Well, yeah. And I they wouldn't. Get these scholarship, they get their scholarships and their life gets to move on and they get to be football stars. Um, that's, the, that's the thing about it. And I don't care if you're 17 or you're 64. You're old enough to make the decision of what's right and wrong. And because they were under the age of 18, they get off. Now, here's the um, from the director of communications at the University of Wisconsin. Here's the settlement. We'll go to a traffic check in a sec, folks. At the time of Wisconsin football student-athlete Kamoi Latu's initial enrollment at UW-Madison, the matter being reported involving Latu was not known to UW athletics officials, as described, the matter relates to Latu when he was a minor, and, a ju- and juvenile records are sealed. Last fall, uh, officials at the school became aware of the civil suit filed in the matter. Based on the information available to uh, Wisconsin's Office of Legal Affairs and the athletics officials, the matter being reported that involved Latu prior to his time at college as a college student does not violate the UW Athletics Student-Athlete Discipline Policy. University Misconduct Policy or Reporting this Disclosure Requirements, Latu re- uh, remains a member of the... Blah, 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 blah. All right, well, you got off. You got away with it. Um, I think more should be done than an apology and a cash payoff. It's my take. It's 6.33 here with the Chris and Gary Supersonic Radio Show. Happy Cinco de Mayo. We'll be back with some NFL talk and the guru of pro football from profootballguru.com and more sites. Russell Baxter joins us on ESPN Honolulu. 
lot to talk about involving local teams here in Hawaii. We'll get to back, to back to them in just a few minutes, but also so much still going on in the NFL. The schedule release will be coming up next Thursday. A lot of people looking forward to that. And we are looking forward to talking with our first guest this morning. Joining us on ESPN Honolulu, he's an NFL writer and historian with fansided NFL.com, NFL Spin Zone, Full Press NFL, and of course, the founder of Pro Football Guru, Russell Baxter, with us. Russell, before I talk about some of the things going on in the offseason, I know on your Twitter page at Bax, B-A-X, Football Guru, you always have the countdown to what's coming up next in the NFL. I imagine it's either training camp or the Hall of Fame game. What is coming up next? The Hall of Fame game. Um, you know, training camp, you know, different uh, teams open on different days. Um, so you want to get something a little more concrete, but we are at 90 days until the Hall of Fame game, which this year is the Browns and the Jets. Uh, and it's easy to figure out why it's the Browns and the Jets, considering Joe Klecko and Darrell Rivas are going in for the Jets and Joe Thomas is going on for the Browns. So that's how they do it now. Years ago, it was a rotating system between and would always be an NFC team and an AFC team, but the, the Hall of Fame has evolved over the years. But when you think 90 days and you think great 90s, two guys come to mind. Old school would be Neil Smith and currently some guy named T.J. Watt. <laughs> I love how you do that on your Twitter page. Whatever day it is remaining before a game like that, you'll have the uniform numbers attributed to that, and I have a lot to say about them. So good to hear about T.J. Watt. I do want to go back to the Jets, and you also, uh, I see, work for JetsXFactor.com, and Aaron Rodgers, obviously the big story coming over, and I imagine they'll have a lot of national TV appearances when the schedule is released next week. How much of a difference do you realistically think he can make for the Jets this season? Well, you know, barring injury, and listen, he's had some issues a couple of years ago with the broken collarbone and so on when he got slammed to the ground. Um, but for the most part, this guy stays healthy. And listen, I mean, he, he still throws a, a pretty damn good football. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. Now he's going to a, a team. Uh, this, is, this is my irony uh, fact for the offseason, Okay. The last time the Jets made the playoffs was 2010. That's the only season in which Aaron Rodgers went to the Super Bowl. In fact, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were like one game away from playing the Jets in the Super Bowl that year. Jets lost to Pittsburgh in the AFC title game. Um, the, the Packers beat the, the, the wild card Packers beat the Bears in Chicago. And then, of course, Green Bay beat uh, Pittsburgh. But he does because the last year, um, you, you think about a club that offensively couldn't get out of its own way. It's kind of been like that the last couple of years. I you know, they, they have some promising players, um, the running back, uh, some running backs and so on. Um, you know, Garrett Wilson was the NFL offensive rookie of the year, the wide receiver, um, Aaron besides Nathaniel Hackett familiarity with Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb being there. Um, I'm still, I'm waiting for him to sign Greg Jennings. Um, <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> James Jones, uh, Jermichael Finley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, for people who we giggle about that, but that's not uncommon. In, it has not been uncommon out the free agency um, in this league and so on. It's, it's, I've always called it the, the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Okay. <laughs> it's, you go to coaches who are familiar, coaches recruited you, they used you. Um, you know, Kadir White is a linebacker now for the Cardinals. He played for Jonathan Gannon in Philadelphia. There's a, 
examples of that all over the league. Match the coordinator and the head coach. And we might see that down the road with some of these free agents uh, that are still available. Guys who played for certain coordinators and certain head coaches or guys who go back um, to teams um, you know, that they used to be with. Seattle is a great example. Guys, um, you know, Bobby Wagner, after one year with the right. Rams, is back with the Seahawks. Jerron Reed was a defensive lineman for them for a couple of years and, um, you know, bounced around the league with Green Bay and Kansas City. He's back in Seattle. So, you know, it's all about reunion sometimes, playing for people who you're familiar with and have faith in you and so on. So, But Aaron Rodgers, listen, last year was the first time he threw at least 10 interceptions, gulp, since 2010, which was the year they they won the Super Bowl. This guy's touchdown to interception differential for his career is mind-boggling. Some people will say he's afraid to throw the down, ball downfield. I don't believe that whatsoever. Um, you know, it, it, and it will take him a little time to get acclimated to new receivers. We understand that and so on. But, you know, it, it, it's the way it went down in Green Bay over the last couple of years, um, the Packers were ready to move on, obviously, three years ago, um, and people, and, and just, just my own perspective, people like to compare this situation to Brett Favre and Green Bay, and I don't see that at all. When, when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers in 2005, late in the first round, Brett had already been making noise, per se, about retiring, okay? So I understood why the Packers did what they did. When the Packers did Jordan Love in 2020, I don't remember hearing Aaron Rodgers talking about retiring. And he was so under-retiring in his mind that he then turned around and won the MVP 2020 and 2021. I don't think it was a matter of motivation per se. Maybe it was. But I, I think that's where things kind of got off on the wrong foot. Um, you know, the Packers' lack of faith in him, I guess, maybe wanting to move on too soon. And, and it's funny because people point to Favre and Rodgers having similar paths. The real similarity is the Packer organization. Interesting, interesting. We're talking the NFL with Russell Baxter from fan-sided NFL, NFL Spin Zone, and more here on ESPN Honolulu. Speaking of quarterbacks with new teams, Sam Darnold with the 49ers. And if I'm a 49ers fan, I'm not very confident about Sam Darnold leading the success like they've had the last several years. I know Brock Purdy won't be ready at the start of the season. Your thoughts on Sam Darnold as of right now? Is he the starter of San Fran? And what do you see, what, what do you see with them this upcoming season? Well, I was just in the middle of writing a piece about that because they just added another quarterback, Brandon Allen, um, who was with the Bengals uh, last year. So they have, um, they have still have Trey Lance there. They have Purdy. They have Sam Darnold. Um, and obviously they have Brandon Allen now. Now, last year, even though all of them didn't, started, uh, didn't start, Trey Lance started the season. Then came Jimmy Garoppolo. He got hurt. Both Lance got hurt. Then it was Purdy. And remember, Purdy got hurt in the NFC title game. So Josh Johnson, who I think has played for all 32 teams in the league, <laughs> wound up coming in the game. So, and yet, this team has been in the NFC title game three of the last four years, despite their ups and downs. Now, they got a full season out of Jimmy Garoppolo in 2019, and they went to the Super Bowl. It's been easier said than done in recent years as far as their quarterback health. Now, this is a team that's very good on the offensive line, although Mike McGlinchey is now gone, um, signed with Denver. It's a team obviously very good on the defensive line and just added Javon Hargrave from the Philadelphia right. Eagles. So 
this is not not every team has to be led by a quarterback having a big year, okay? Last year, we saw something we had never seen, okay? We had never seen a, a player lead the league in passing yards and win the Super Bowl in the same year. It only took 57 years, okay? Uh, Patrick Mahomes was the first MVP to win the Super Bowl the same season since Kurt Warner in 1999. So that idea of one-man football for some people who just look at the quarterbacks as if it's Bob Gibson versus Mickey Lolich. Okay. <laughs> it's, I've, I've never understood that. Okay. Patrick Mahomes didn't beat Jalen Hurts. It's not Ford versus McEnroe. It's how your team is. In fact, Patrick Mahomes threw, threw for less than 200 yards in the Super Bowl. I know he was Super Bowl MVP. He probably got it as much for that 26 yard run in the fourth quarter and the comeback as much as anything else. But, you can construct your team, and that's the beauty of football. There are so many da- different ways to win. Um, and more times than not, the highest-scoring team in the league doesn't necessarily win the Super Bowl. We've seen that often, as you say. Wish we had more time, Russell. Hopefully we can catch on uh, up with you again uh, before camp opens up. We always appreciate your insight in the NFL. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. You got it, guys. Have a great weekend. All right. Thank you. You too. Russell Baxter, NFL writer and historian, the founder of Pro Football Guru and a lot of other organizations and uh, websites and podcasts. He does it all for the NFL as he joins us here on ESPN Honolulu. Some interesting thoughts, of course, on NFL quarterbacks with new teams. We'll touch upon that a little bit later. We do have some NFL talk, a lot of local sports going on here that we want to recap as well. And oh, yeah, there was an NBA playoff game last night as well. All ahead with the Sports Animals on on ESPN Honolulu. A lot of HHSAA championship action happening today. Baldwin taking a Kamehameha. Warriors looking for their uh, first D1 baseball championship in 19 years. Uh, Kauai uh, against Damien in the two uh, D2 baseball championships. Those were at Les Morikami Stadium. Remember, if you're going to go to the game, uh, you got to download your tickets. There's no ticket uh, box office or anything, but download your tickets, eTicketHawaii.com. Uh, in softball action, which you'll hear on CBS 1500, uh, D2 softball championship at 4 o'clock. Pac-5 in Waimea. And uh, that's followed by Campbell against Kamehameha. So you could have Kamehameha making a clean sweep in softball and baseball by 9 o'clock tonight. And just the fact that they're both in that situation or that place where they can do that, it says a lot right there. So pretty cool there. And one thing I remember from even last year and recent years when the fans were allowed, those crowds are really rampant. I mean, they've got so much enthusiasm. Les Murakami, if it's not sold out, it's close to it. I mean, they got really good crowds for these baseball championships. It's pretty good atmosphere there, to say the well, least. Well, not sold out the whole stadium. The bottom is sold out. They don't. They don't even open up the upper. They don't. Upper they don't know. They, well, the last uh, the last few times I've seen it, they don't open the top. But still, it's a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, you you see the uh, you know a rampant crowd. You you see that at any state championship game. You'll see that in softball at Lesmore at uh, at uh, Bob Coolin Stadium. 
You'll see that in high school basketball all the time. But you could have, or I mentioned Kamehameha winning them both. You could have teams from Kauai winning uh, two state championships. If Kauai can beat Damien and Waimea can beat up on Pac-5. But anyway, good showing by the neighbor islands. Good showing by the ILH uh, in these uh, state championships. So good luck. And congratulations to all the players and coaches. You guys did a great job this year making it this far. It's hard, man. It's hard to go all the way to a state championship game. I don't have a favorite in any of these sports for the most part, but I always enjoy when the neighbor island schools have that success. Because they don't, they don't get the same hype, uh, publicity. Uh, people don't really think of them in the same scenario or situation as maybe a Wahoo school that they're going to win championships. Well, well, I think they do on the islands they're from. Yeah. You're saying people in general. Mainly people here, don't think. where the majority of the people in the state live. I don't think they give them enough. I shouldn't say they give them enough credit. They don't consider them championship caliber for the most part when you hear the comments, read the comments, and just the perception. But I, I, I always like it where the neighbor island schools win. Any uh, sport. I don't know. People are, people are pretty confident in Kona Wina girls basketball, weren't they, over the years? Chris, that's one example. <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm just saying, I'm just, you're saying people aren't really confident in neighbor island schools. Yeah. I've the most a lot a lot of people in the town of Waimea are very confident that they're going to win a softball championship. I think the, the Baldwin parents are like, yeah, we're really good in baseball year after year. I think we can win this thing. Talking about Qu- here. Gary, I'm that's talking my about point. Here. That's my point, Gary. Oh, be quiet and enjoy Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> Breaking news, the good kind regarding a Hawaii football player. That's coming up in the top things you need to know next on ESPN Honolulu. All right, here's some top things you need to know going on in this uh, Aloha Cinco de Mayo Friday here. It's Sports Animals in the Morning. Well, we're known uh, on the streets as Chris and Gary's supersonic radio show. Good news. In the XFL today, Jordan Ta'amu was named most valuable player. How about that? Great for him. I thought I saw most uh, outstanding offensive player for him, but still great for Jordan to get this acknowledgement and uh, hopefully it'll lead to an NFL deal at some point again. But he did oh. have a really good career, for a good year for them. I apologize. Yes. Uh, XFL Offensive Player of the Year. And so that, does that mean, Gary, he's the best uh, offensive player or he's the best offensive player on the best team? Oh, I don't want to start that debate. Now. That's a different debate than MVP, so I'm not sure what that meant. The MVP is always, you know, they, they need to do away with the term MVP. Because is he, is he the most valuable player, the best, or is it the quarterback on the best team? Do what the CFL does. Tanner, jump on your mic. What, what are they, what's the award they have in the Canadian Football League? That is the most outstanding player award. And there's no debate there, right? There's no debate. You could be on the worst team, but you're the best individual player in the league. You get the award. We There's move still on. Be a debate there, but I mean, I we I move like on. The men's volleyball looking I, for I a three-peat. <laughs> that I like. 
That I like, and I'm waiting for the three-peat shirts to come out. I have full confidence in this team. I'll say oh. it again, though, real briefly. If they don't win tomorrow, I know it's going to be really tough against a great team in UCLA. Even if they don't win, they're champions to me. They, you know, they, they've done what they've done over the stretch of four seasons, and it's been incredible. Nobody else, I don't think, can come that close to duplicating what they've accomplished. And now tomorrow, icing on the cake. We're greedy. We want that third title. Well, yeah. You know what? They're, you know why they're heroes? Because this is – they – I guess the only thing I can compare to this, really, this run these last couple of years, is the 2007 University of Hawaii football team. The whole state is captured by it. The um, the You look at the most read articles at StarAdvertiser.com. It's listed in order. Well, there it is, the UH volleyball story. Look at our streaming numbers where they're quadrupled, at least quadrupled, the people listening to these games via the, the website or, or the app streams. Mm-hmm. The, the whole state is paying attention to Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. And win or no win, I know Charlie wants to win, and I don't know what it's like to, to lose something like that. Um, but, man, win or lose, who cares? Not who cares. Yeah, you know what? Who cares? We're proud of you guys. We're so proud of them and glad they're all great representatives of Hawaii, aren't we? I would, yeah, of course. I would also imagine win or lose, there'll be a parade. Uh, might not be as festive as they as they won it last year, but they deserve that. That's how outstanding they have been. And I think the difference between this team and football is that football was that one year, maybe the two-year stretch. This has been going on for longer than that, which makes it even more incredible. All right, in the H-H-H-H-H-H-H-S-A-A-A-A-A, we've got, uh, excuse me, there's an echo in here. I'm broadcasting from my bathroom. Isn't today National No Pants Day or something today? <laughs> there's, a, there's a bar, yes, yes, there's a bar. If you go into the bar not wearing pants, you get a free drink. All right. I'm sure police aren't real happy about that. <laughs> what do they call that? The the Delora Latu Bar? I mean, all right, H-H-S-A-A. Baseball action today. Baldwin takes on Kamehameha in Division One baseball. Division Two side Kauai against Damian on CBS fifteen hundred. Campbell will play Kamehameha on the D one side. Pack five against Waianae. Some great action coming up and championship night. And uh, wish all the teams good luck. And it's hard. I mean, I don't have a favorite. You might pick the school you went to in Punahou. Maybe you won't. Sometimes I have a feeling you will. But to me, I just want to see great competition. And I always feel bad for the losers. But to get this far, just like men's volleyball in a way, you're kind of already champions. I think like for on Kauai, for example, they should be happy win or lose that this team, these teams, have gotten this far. Yeah, but for some of these schools that aren't, they don't make the trips very often. I mean, a state championship will live, that banner will live in the gym for 20, 30, 40 years down the line. I root for IAEA. I think I find myself rooting for IAEA uh, for my neighborhood more than my uh, alma mater. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't root against Punahou School, but uh, I, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of root for the Naali'i. They're not very good in sports most of the time, but hey, you still got a rooter here. And they were good in football the last couple of years. They've been really good in football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. way to go. Uh, um, we've got uh, Big Day. All the arms, they say, are rested and ready to go. Big Day for Rainbow Baseball today against uh, it's 10-8 and 8 Hawaii against 10-8 and 8 UC Irvine 
on the road. Maybe we should make believe Russell Turner will be in the stands and have much more, maybe a little bit more motivation. We don't like him as the Irvine basketball coach, but this is a good bas- baseball team. And one thing I want to touch upon when Josh Pacheco joins us in about uh, 28, 30 minutes is that they have a chance to make an NCAA at large, but they have the same conference record as Hawaii. So you might wonder why or how is that? That's but right. overall, they're yeah. 28 and 13, really good mm-hmm. record. But we know they're a good team, got some good hitters, and it's on the road. I also... Uh, Wonder where this team, after being on the road so long, does fatigue play a factor? This is a really long road trip. Most teams aren't on the road this long at any point. They've done it a couple of times. Mm. Yeah, but it's not like they're the Lakers or anything. What does that mean? <laughs> being fatigued or what? You know what? We didn't even mention the NBA yet uh, today, but I mean, it's not really right. Yeah, it's not really a it's not really a big deal. I mean, the Lakers got blown out. I think a lot of people thought Golden State would come back and win at home, but man, it was an it was ugly basketball for the second and third quarters, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't for Golden State. They scored over forty in each quarter, but for the Lakers, yeah, right. it was. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing I was talking about yesterday, wondering like others about uh Anthony Davis having back to back good games or great games and especially in you know two days one day's rest and he just exactly did what a lot of people thought he would struggle and I heard Jay Williams last night or early this morning talking about this where he looked at his last 10 games he has a 30.23 game and anytime he's had a monster game of late the game before or after has been exactly the opposite and last night was the opposite we'll see what happens tomorrow in LA where tickets are going for about 31,000 but uh, he did not have a good game LeBron James had his typical game and in the uh, articles I've read I didn't like the phrase Golden State allowed LeBron James to get those points and it kept saying it the same way it must have been the same article but I don't know if they allowed him but I think what the key was and Steve Kerr changed the starting lineup Kevon Looney did not start in this game which I thought was surprising but he went uh, with a different lineup and it worked it really worked so give Steve Kerr credit for making the right adjustments to helping this team for a victory last night that was really huge and of course Clay Thompson became old Clay meaning the great clay all right our major league baseball hawaiians nobody played yesterday that's why there's no news on that um this morning the former st louis uh, school football players who yesterday we uh, was uh, reported they settled their uh, sex assault suit um with a uh, young woman he assaulted her back in 2018 and so wisconsin has basically come out uh, for uh, uh, Kamoi Latu, the safety at Wisconsin from St. Louis. Uh, they're saying, hey, look, this this happened before he was here. He's good to play. He's probably going to be a starter. I don't know if they said probably going to be a starter, but he will be playing football for Wisconsin next year. Now, Arizona hasn't commented. Washington State, by the way, declined to make a comment as well because you'll remember that uh, Jaden Delora was arrested for DUI. Uh, a couple of years ago when he was at Washington State. I think he did he did get off, but there's a pattern of bad decision making by this young man. So if you read more into it, I don't know how much is in the Star Advertiser or more of what I was reading um in the Washington State newspaper article. The uh oh here it is in the Washington State newspaper article and um basically okay so these kids get arrested so the the girl is in the the victim is in the stairwell with the two 
When they're done, she goes back to her car and tells her mom that what happened. So they call the police, and um, they're put before a juvenile judge, and instead of being punished, the juvenile judge here in Hawaii back then, in 2018, was that the year? He says, okay, you know what, uh, you guys, you guys, uh, you, you know, because they already have the text message. She showed the text message saying, hey, sorry, we did that. We didn't mean to, whatever it was. The judge says, you guys better go write an apology. Really? That was it? So they get off. Jaden Delora gets arrested for DUI a few years later in college on the mainland. It, you know, it, it's he's making bad decisions and not getting punished for it. I'm reading an article, the, the article in the Star Advertiser this morning, and one of the last comments, I, I hope it's okay to say this, uh, to read these on the air, but uh, the the person ta- says it perfectly, Mayor, uh, perfectly correct. The moral to this story, if you're skilled at football, you can beat the rap anytime. Whichever prosecutor agreed to writing a letter of apology instead of doing jail time for a felony should be fired. Don't do any jail times, kids. You guys are football players. Hey, 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 Deshaun Watson. We know that you have 78 lawsuits or whatever against you, but that's okay. You're a good football player. You know what? We're going to make you the highest paid quarterback. And that's and that's where we're living. I love sports. This is the part of sports I hate is, you know what? You can get away with just about anything. If these two kids back in 2018 weren't star football players for the big football school, would they get a, hey, that's okay, you write a letter of apology. I don't know that that's true. I don't know that that's true. I would doubt it. I also think the judge who did that should be held accountable big time for that, right. for allowing them to get off. That's what way. the, that's what, yeah, that's what the writer said in the, the thing I just read, should be fired, right? I do wonder what Arizona will do. I mean, how, how do you justify that or allow it? I mean, Wisconsin you say had it happened. Policy. You say it happened before you got there. And you I, what Wisconsin did. And I and I have been in the past saying where the NFL, I don't think, should have a right to punish somebody with what happened in college. Still, the fact that these guys are basically getting off scot-free, and I don't care if they were minor, that, that part really doesn't matter. It, it does send a really ugly message. And some of the things about sports I dislike big time as well, that people get off on these things and it just it, you wouldn't have thought this would be possible to get off that easy with i mean with the fight with whatever the settlement was in cash the fact that a letter of an apology wow for something that vulgar that's amazing well the letter of apology was written back in the day doesn't matter that was part of the that yeah. was part of this agreement i'm not sure it was part of what the court decided would be appropriate no it's that's not a part of this civil suit that we no, not the civil suit about. not the civil suit right. but the fact that's, yeah. that they had a chance to take legal action and that was the action they took write a letter of an apology what kind of message does Chris that send? show some class while reporting the story uh we just got a text that said show some class i don't know understand what what where that goes i don't understand okay anyway it's a uh, quarter after seven with the animals here on ESPN Honolulu. Cinco de Mayo. Today is the day. 
enjoy some uh, great Mexican food. I'm sure there's Cinco de Mayo parties all over town, aren't there? There usually are, yeah, there usually are, whether it's in Waikiki or Mexican restaurants on Oahu or anywhere else. Yeah, it's obviously a big day. And usually if it's on a weekend, like it, I know when I remember, I don't know how many years it was ago now, but Pacquiao Mayweather was the big fight on Cinco de Mayo. So if it's on wow. a Saturday, they usually have some big boxing matches uh, scheduled for that as well. But it is a big day of celebration, sure. All right. Uh, let's see. What else is going on here? I got some sports shorts. We'll do that coming up next. Uh, did you hear about, uh, you know what? I got a Life Matters moment from Luka Doncic. Did you hear about what's going on there? He wants out. We'll talk about that coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Twenty minutes after on this Cinco de Mayo with the sports animals, it's ESPN Honolulu. The, you saw that uh, the mass shooting killed eight children and a security guard at Belgrade Elementary School. This is a life matters moment from Hawaii USA Federal Credit Union because we like to report the good news. Well, Luka Doncic, of course, the star player for the uh, Dallas Mavericks is committed to pay for the funeral expense uh, services and grief counseling for classmates and staff. That's a that's a that's a pretty incredible thing right there, isn't it? It is, and you do see in some of these tragic situations, especially involving children, where some star athletes will step up. I know Shaquille O'Neal done that a, a few times with some of the shootings here in America in recent months and years. Yeah, he says through my foundation I'm exploring both immediate and long-term ways to support the students, faculty, and families affected by the shooting. I am committed, and I will continue to share updates and ways to support as details become available. So uh, we salute you with our Life Matters moment this morning for Luka Doncic. By the way, the New York uh, the New York Giants, the... Uh, uh, Dexter Lawrence, the New York Giants All-Pro defensive tackle, got a four-year, $90 million extension, $60 million guaranteed. Pretty good money. That's quarterback money almost. The contracts are getting incredible. We know that. The guarantees, though, are getting higher and higher, it seems like, not only for quarterbacks but numerous positions. I'm glad it's, it's awful that football doesn't have, like other sports, where the guaranteed contracts are in play. So at least we're getting a lot more money guaranteed. But some of those amounts, uh, again, we, we almost take it for granted when we see those, oh, 60, 60 million here, 80 million there, 150 there. It's almost like business as usual, but I still have to think twice about how ridiculous those amounts are. But glad for those guys to get it yeah. and uh, more power to the them. The guaranteed money is like Aaron Donald type money. So I mean, you, the Giants—they're uh, not like the uh, New York Jets gave all their money to just the quarterback. Well, By the way, speaking of the NFL, good. Taylor Luan is suing Dr. James Andrews yeah. over his ACL repair. This is the most renowned sports medicine doctor in the world. Could he have made a mistake? I hope not, because again, I've known this guy's name for almost I don't know how many years, but it's always he's always the guy that star athletes in numerous sports have gone to see, and he always seemed to be the expert, the standard 
for these types of surgeries. So to hear this, uh, I, I kind of hope it's not true. And it, I, again, without knowing any of the details, it would be hard for me to think a doctor of that statue, that stature would do anything that he didn't think was right for the athlete or the patient he's treating. All right. Hey, uh, you, uh, college, uh, you college journalists, don't be like two U.S. journalism students. They were covering the, the USC kids were covering the NFL draft for their student news outlet, and uh, they uh, stole more than $1,000 worth of first-round draft pick jerseys. That's according to the Los <laughs> Angeles Times. So I guess they have them on, on uh, video surveillance entering this area you're not supposed to go to at, like, 1 in the morning. Oh, and then they, they left the, uh, the, this area uh, five minutes later with a bag looking a lot fuller than it was when they entered the so they report the NFL reported a 49ers jersey, a Cowboys jersey, and a Vikings jersey missing. All had the number one printed on the back with no player names. Uh, now here's the mystery: the police discovered the Cowboys in the 49ers jersey in a uh, search for their students' baggage at the airport. No sign of the missing Vikings jersey. Dun, 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 dun. How did they know at the airport they were stolen? Because they tracked them down. They saw the kids on the video surveillance, found out when their flight is, tracked them down at the okay. airport. Okay. Watch Matlock much? Come on. <laughs> no, nah, I haven't caught an episode in a while. Mm. It goes under the category, well, what were they thinking? I mean, if it had a name on it, it'd be a little bit more valuable. But without the name on it, I mean, you could just buy that at a store. And even yeah, with the name you say, on it, you, you know could. What? But you say, hey, you know what? You see this jersey I'm wearing? Got it from the draft. Yeah. You never see UCLA students doing it. I'm just teasing. <laughs> uh, Zach Elfin. You ever heard of this guy? He's a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays. Is he good? I'm not aware of him, though. Okay, so this pitcher uh, was, uh, you know, getting ready to pitch against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, actually... Uh, oh, yeah, one inning was underway in the game. The umpiring crew had him remove uh, a ring from his glove hand during a conference on the mound. Interesting. It was He's wearing a ring, I'm guessing his wedding ring, on his glove hand. He's a right-handed pitcher, obviously. So isn't your finger inside the glove? Well, some people will hold their finger outside the glove, actually. That's their pointer. So maybe he must have had yeah, his ring. Fi- right. You don't hold your ring finger outside your glove. Right, right. Play sports much, Dickman? Did they say why they told him to move it? No, they didn't. But obviously it was probably some kind of thing where it's a distraction. Like if you have tape hanging from your wrists, it's a distraction. So they'll, they'll make you cut it off. If you have a certain colored... Um, uh, if you have a certain colored uh, wristbands, they'll make you take them off in, in uh, softball and baseball. It's just dis- considered a distraction to the hitter. That part I Tanner understand. Hayward says it was a rubber wedding band, technically. But okay. if it's inside his glove, how could that be a distraction? It doesn't say it was inside his glove. I'm just guessing that it was inside his glove. And that's why I bring it up. That's, the, the, that's how I preface this. Is it's, If it's in his glove, how can you even see it? What do they have the uh, anyway. best record? They're all cheaters. Yeah. 
He says he's worn it before. No umpire crew ever had a problem with it. So if it's a rubber wedding band, I'm guessing it's like uh, that's kind of a new thing. A lot of people have that. Um, and it's like one of my sons. It's just black rubber. That That's what it looks like. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was really weird that they uh, would they say, put it away or you're ejected. He's like, okay, gosh, I'll put it in my pocket. <laughs> but I don't, that's, that's, uh, that's a crazy thing that uh, happened yesterday in Major League Baseball. Well, remember, one of the things they do nowadays in the last few years, when a pitcher comes off the mound, the umpires are allowed to inspect his glove at hand to see if they're using any illegal substance. So even if it right. was in the glove, they might have seen it, and maybe that's what started it. Either that or the opposing manager for Pittsburgh will sometimes complain about something that they observed just no, to no, get no. a pitcher you didn't rattled. Listen to, you didn't listen to the story. The first, the, while they're playing in the first inning, there's a, mount, a huddle at the mound. They weren't checking. They wait till the end of the inning to check your hands. So that's why it was really weird. They, they saw this somehow and said, hey, take that off. It just doesn't make sense as an umpiring crew for the first time uh, that this has happened where they made them take it off. I, I, I really wish that there was some kind of reason that we could find out about this. Yeah, I want, now once somebody's texting in saying, and I, I, this makes a little sense at least, that they thought he might have been able to use the ring to scratch the baseballs so they could check the ring every inning, but they weren't having it that day. I mean, I wonder if that's what they were really thinking. That's what somebody you, just You're you reading the text that just came in? Yeah, yeah. the text is, it, it's a rubber. It's rubber. You can't mm, scratch yeah. the baseball with rubber. Whew. All right, let's talk, uh, let's talk a little... Uh, Rainbow Baseball coming up in a few minutes with Josh Pacheco. If you're just tuning in, big news happened a little while ago. Jordan Ta'amu was uh, voted the uh, XFL Offensive Player of the Year. So this weekend, is this weekend the championship game? Yes, it is. It's tomorrow. Who's playing? So, so what are the teams? I can't remember Jordan's team's name. He's with um, Washington, D.C. versus, and I'm not sure. The D.C. Defenders. Oh, the Renegades, the Renegades and the Defenders. Sounds like a XFL championship, doesn't it? Uh, once again, congratulations to the uh, Rainbow Warrior volleyball team. Oh, man, it looked like they were on a roll. Up two, uh, two sets to none against Penn State yesterday in Virginia. Uh, Demi Mucleus had 25 kills. And um, 25 kills in the match. Took us five to beat them. First time this year, Hawaii has lasted to five. Part of the problem, at least in my opinion, I think, is we had a lot of service errors. Not as many as Penn State, but uh, they got to clean up. They got to clean some of this up against UCLA. You can hear that game eleven o'clock Saturday morning here on ESPN Honolulu. And we're going to get getting ready for Josh to join us, talking about UH baseball today with that big series against UC Irvine. Then they finally come back home uh, next week for a couple of home series. Uh, not many baseball games left that they are getting to the home stretch of this regular All right. season. All right, that's coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Josh Pacheco is going to join us here on ESPN Honolulu. It's Cinco de Mayo. Josh, do you see a lot of Cinco de Mayo celebrations where you are? 
Um, I haven't seen any because I haven't left the room yet since I woke up. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but I would imagine here in Orange County, uh, there will probably be quite a bit tonight. So, uh, yeah, I'll be pretty busy. <laughs> what about in your room? Oh. Are there any celebrations? <laughs> uh, no, unless you count sleeping as a celebration, then sure. I actually do. Well, that's how but... Gary celebrates. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Gary's a big celebrator in that way. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, let's talk some UH baseball. And before we talk about what's ahead and what took place a day or two ago against Pepperdine, I want to go back to last week. We had high hopes, many of us did, and we talked to you last Friday, getting ready for the Riverside Series. Hawaii comes into that on a 7-1 and stretch. When you look back on that now, why did they lose two of those three games? Well, I think it's twofold. I think, one, I'll give credit where credit is due to UC Riverside. Um, you know, without a, a true starting pitcher, I mean, they piecemealed together a perfect complement of relievers, um, you know, on, on Friday night to kind of set the tone, and Hawaii just offensively could not really touch him until it got late or in, in that case too late. Um, and that really kind of set a, an, an odd tone for Friday and, and really kind of put Hawaii in, in, in a situation where you know, they were playing on their heels the rest of the weekend. Uh, that Saturday comeback was very nearly a Saturday loss. Uh, and Hawaii had to climb back from that. And then Sunday, uh, you know, it turned out to be a loss could have very well been a Sunday win. Um, you know, I'll credit UC Riverside's pitching, but I'll, I'll also look at, at Hawaii, in which I'd say it's, its bullpen really was kind of kind of up and down. Um, you know, I, I really don't put it on starting pitching. Uh, you know, Abshire was great up, up until he had really one kind of tough inning, which was his final one, and the bullpen just, you know, let it all fall apart. And then Sunday, which is more of a bullpen day uh, or a staff day, um, you know, it started off well uh, until the middle to late innings, and it kind of just you know fell apart again. I, I think it goes back to something that we really talked about early in the year. Pitching was a big part of the conversation with this Hawaii team, and what would pitching look like? There were a lot of question marks. That was one of the reasons why Hawaii was picked sixth in the Big West was how unsure people were with pitching. And I think we've kind of narrowed it down. I mean, it's taken – three months now to, to narrow it down, but I think we have. Um, Hawaii's bullpen, I, I would opine, um, has been taxed. Uh, it has been used so much, not having a, a third starter, which means it is a bullpen day and a Sunday. You know, Connor Harrison, who had that walk-off walk on, on Sunday, you know, he's been in a situation where he has been used so much at certain portions of this season um, that the bullpen is not fresh. It's uh, it, it's had its struggles, and um, I, I think that kind of had did lead to how difficult it was for uh, for Hawaii against UCR last weekend. But I mean, I, I do credit UCR. Um, they have played better here. Um, I think at that stretch, they had ended up winning three of four up to that point, and, and they're getting better as the year goes on. But it certainly was a disappointment for sure. And think about this stat. Uh, against CSU Bakersfield and Hawaii, that's four losses to the two bottom teams in the Big West by one run in each game. And you think of how that would play in the Big West Conference standings. Hawaii would be in a much different situation today if not for those four games. Because in both of those series, I think a lot of people, myself included, were thinking sweeps. 
so many one-run games of late, some of them victories, but with those losses, is that something where you could say that's a positive, that Hawaii is in these games that they've lost, or is it something as a negative where they should have gotten over that hump, especially against the teams you just mentioned? I, I think it depends on who we're talking about. I mean, Hawaii in one-run games. Hawaii's had 11 one-run games this year, um, five and six in those one-run games. I, I'd i like to look at it in a position where um, – you know, you, you want to be on the right side of those one-run games, and I think you want the culture of the program, I think, down the road to be able to say, we're winning those one-run games. And I think Rich Hill would probably tell you the same thing, that it's not necessarily about just being in those one-run games. At some point, you, you've got to win them. Uh, you've got to be on the right side of that number as compared to the wrong side. So I don't necessarily take it as a, a positive, but I don't necessarily look at it as a, as a huge negative either. I think it's one of those building blocks that Hawaii has to work through going into year three next year. And of course, wrapping up the final month of the season this year, that Hawaii has got to find a way to close out some of these games or not put itself in a position to fall behind three, nothing like they did last Friday, fight back within a run and ultimately lose. So I, 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 it, it's going to sound like an on-the-fence answer, but uh, there, are, there are a few positives to it, but I think there are a few negatives as well. Josh Pacheco joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM, talking UH baseball. You'll hear Josh a little bit later, about 2.32 this afternoon. Is that right for those games? Bingo. All right, I got it right for a change against UC Irvine. <laughs> Josh, I want to go back what to What time is it? 2.32 p.m. the broadcast starts. It's right after oh, sports man. I, I better I better I better make sure I don't tune in at two thirty three. I'll miss something. Yeah. <laughs> Great contribution there. I, I want to go back to the pitching for a second because you mentioned about the Sunday starter, and I look at Giroux and Bodendorf. They both started five games each. Has there been any thought about maybe moving them into a semi permanent Sunday starting role? Uh, no, and I, and I think a lot of it is based on what happens earlier in the week. You know, none of none of those guys are true starters anyway. Um, Bodendorf has been somewhat of a closer on Fridays. Uh, Drew has been more of a bridge guy on Fridays. So usually the way it's worked is, um, you know, if, if you use one or both on Friday, one of those guys will come back and just kind of open Sunday. Um, and, and, and Rich Hill's kind of along those lines of he's, he wants to win today and he'll worry about Sunday, you know, after mm-hmm. Saturday's game. Uh, but I think it really depends on on usage. I think in in the, the in a perfect world, if Giroux is bridging to um, uh, to to, to Bodendorf on that on that you know end of the game, Bodendorf's probably not throwing a lot of pitches. Um, so you'd like to believe that maybe you know Bodie would start on Sunday, give you one time through, maybe get you into the fourth inning, then kind of work it backwards. Then you go to Giroux after that. And then you've got Harrison down the line. If you've got Rennie or Diable available for, for a couple of outs or for an inning, you've got them, and you just kind of stack up your pitchers from there. But that's why I mean, you've seen them split it up just because every Friday situation and sometimes Saturday situation is different. And it really depends on which arm is fresher and can be used to get as much as you can to open a game. I like you talking about Bodie. So I want to ask you before I talk about some of the hitters, who's like the coolest nickname on this team? <laughs> Man, um, you know a lot of a lot of those nicknames end in E. Um, they 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 really do lack a little bit of originality. Cody, <laughs> Cardi, 
Uh, I mean, there's there's a few. I do like Bodie. Um, I, I, I will say the one that I kind of don't like is Storby, uh, which is Zach Storbachin's nickname. Um, because, again, everything ends in E, and Storby kind of sounds like the name of a pet on a Disney Channel movie <laughs> in which you just ran out of names, so you just said Storby, sure. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'll I'll go with uh, I'll go with Bodie. Okay, I like that. Pitcher. Okay, I want to ask you a question about the hitters because going into Big West play, Jared Quant, Ben Ziegler, and Namoa had great starts of the season. They've really come down with the batting averages in Big West play. On the other side, you have Matt Wong, Dallas Duarte, just on fire, and Jacob Igawa as well. But Tyson Donahue, I read the other day his numbers. Would it be fair to say he's in a mini slump? And the reason I ask that, I, I've heard that. I saw some numbers, but I also look at his batting average. Even in Big West play, he's hitting almost 300 at 290 and over 300 overall. Yeah, his his batting average is kind of, kind of leveled, um, I, I think would be a fair way to put it. Part of it for me, I think, is approach. Um, you know, he's got the kind of a swing where it's got a natural upward lift. So it looks like he's trying to drive the baseball up and out. He's more of a, to me, a fly ball kind of a hitter as compared to someone who can kind of slash it. Um, and he had a lot of success on that earlier in the year. Uh, I do think in that middle of the order, or, or in that, you know, I shouldn't say the middle, but in that, that productive spot in the order, that I do think you are seeing him trying to lift a little too much but yet he's had a couple of hits here and there. He's had a, a, a couple of, of productive uh, at bats. So um, I, I don't mini slump may be the right way to put it, um, but I wouldn't say it's a total slump just because he is still a tough hitter. I think the other thing is a, a lot of teams I think know how to pitch him now. Um, you're, he's seeing very few fastballs in that three and four spot in the order. He's getting a lot of curveballs, a lot of sliders and a lot of them staying kind of down and in, um, which is kind of a tough place to pitch him because you don't want to leave something into him. Um, but they've been keeping it down and in. He's been going after a lot of those, and he's been coming up a little empty. So um, mini slump is probably fair, but um, you know he, he's still leveled, and he's still had a few at-bats that have been important for him. You being with the team for every game this season on all these road trips, I'm just curious, with the team struggling last week, had a tough time against Pepperdine the other day, long road trip, getting to that part of the season, is fatigue coming into play at all with this team? You know, um, I've thought about that a little bit, and I, I don't know – I don't know if it's overall fatigue. I'll go back to something I said earlier. I think the bullpen is fatigued. Mm. I don't. I don't think there's any question about that. And and that's why you see a game like Wednesday against Pepperdine. And and normally I heard Chris say it yesterday. You know these. You know these midweek games are often where you really throw out some of the guys that have not had a lot of run. Or in Alabama's case, you throw out a guy who's never really pitched, so you could impact the betting line. Um, and. Uh, you know, it it allows your your bullpen over the weekend to be you know to be as fresh as it can. But they've gotten so much work. I think offensively this team is fine. Um, I don't I don't think at the plate this team is fatigued. But I, I I do think your important pitchers you know down in the back part of your bullpen I think they are. And uh, against a team like UC Irvine who can hit the ball really well, that can be that can be kind of dangerous. It's funny, though. I mean, as, as fatigued as, as they can look, all it takes is one series uh, for, for us to kind of 
potentially see the outlook completely change. And, right. and that's what this weekend potentially brings, Gary. Yeah, hopefully they can get back to the top half of the standings. Going into Riverside, they did have a chance to leapfrog a few teams in fourth place that they were in, now tied for fourth and fifth with Irvine, so hopefully coming out ahead. Nice way to end the road trip. We'll look forward to hearing you again at 2.32 this afternoon with the broadcast <laughs> game one of a three-game series against Don't UC be Irvine. disappointed if it's 2.31 and you don't hear anything. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Josh. Look forward to hearing you later. Thanks, guys. All right. Have a good one. Josh Pacheco joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, today, again, on ESPN Honolulu. Tomorrow, because of a volleyball match, he'll be on CBS 1500 for day two. All right. And uh, back on uh, Sunday, back on uh, the mothership here. Hey, uh, I, I heard you guys talking about the nicknames. And so, Joshy Pacheco. That's what Uncle Kimamo texted in. That's that's his baseball nickname. I was thinking of that. Yeah, coming on. Oh, you know what? Uh, check out our YouTube channel or uh, go to ESPNHonolulu.com. We've got a new series called Cheap Eats. Our very own uh, Cole Mossoff uh, sits down with star athletes over great food. Uh, this time you can see what's going on with the Pioneer Saloon. It's brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, where people like banking. Spectacular win yesterday. Everybody's having heart attacks. Rainbow Warrior volleyball team. Stop doing that to us. Hawaii wins in five. They're in the national championship game against UCLA. Now, we beat UCLA before, right? Yes, we beat them this year. Okay, so we beat UCLA, so they can be beaten. I don't know what the situation was. Like, I was mentioning with Penn State, we lost to Penn State early in the year, but a bunch of the people on the, the team were sick for Hawaii, so uh, um, it was a very different team that Penn State uh, played yesterday. Although, <laughs> I mean, what was the what was the, the it was what was the final the set fifteen to ten? Fifteen ten, yes. It wasn't like uh, we were blowing them out even in that final game. It was a nail biter. But uh, anyway, Hawaii seasons goes on. Penn State goes home. So last time Hawaii played UCLA, March eleventh. It was um, a win for Hawaii, like you said, at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. Demetrius Muklius, 22 kills. 22 kills. Last night he had 25, or yesterday afternoon. So we hope that uh, Demi gets a good night's sleep and he's firing on all cylinders. You know what's interesting about that? They played UCLA, I think it was the day after Penn State. Same tournament. Mm. So they come back mm. from that loss with some guys maybe under the weather but still beat UCLA. You and Josh were talking about baseball nicknames on the, yeah. the Hawaii baseball team. And here's some of the great, you know, baseball is the greatest sport for nicknames. And back in the day, you had some great nicknames. You don't have nicknames like these anymore. For example, you remember watching Frank Home Run Baker. Or, let's see, somebody like <laughs> Charles Heine Berger. His nickname was Heine. I don't know why. Maybe he had a... He, he wiggled his hiney when he ran or something? I'm not sure. How about first baseman for the uh, Washington Senators? Scoops Carey or Cubs pitcher? Three-finger Mordecai Brown. Josh Pepper Clark. Wahoo Sam Crawford played for the Tigers. Of course. Uh-oh, we're facing Wahoo Sam today. 
How about Pirates outfielder Steamer Flanagan? That's a guy you don't want to see. Phillies catcher, Peaches Graham. Peaches Graham. You know what they all have in common? What's that? We've never heard of any of these guys. You've never heard of uh, Walter Johnson, the big train Johnson? Come on. He I've heard of, yes. How about Wee Willie Keeler? I've heard of him. Oh, well, you've seen him play in person, probably. He's in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Moose Grimshaw brought it day in and day out. Big Six Mathewson was a great pitcher. There's a Moose Scourin. And you never, you know, a guy who stole a lot of home runs, outfielder, Eagle Eye Hempville. You want to be playing Eagle Eye. Best, here's the best nickname. Best nickname you'll see in baseball. He was a Tigers uh, third baseman. Uh, he played with the Cleveland Spiders in 1895. Battleship Greminger. Wow. Battleship's coming up to plate. Yeah, coming up to the plate. Did I Chris Berman come up with that? No, these are just what they called them back in the days. All right, uh, top stories you need to know. Congratulations once to Jordan Ta'amu. We'll tell you why. Coming up next on ESPN Honolulu. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Chris Gary's Supersonic Radio Show, also known as the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. We were talking about uh, great nicknames, and I found a better one than Battleship. This is an old-time nickname. Um, uh, This is a guy from uh, who was born, anyway, in 1888. So I guess the early 1900s who he played. He was a pitcher for the White Sox. And he went by Death Valley, Jim Scott. Huh? Is that a WWE name or what? Sounds like Death it could Valley, be. Death Valley, Jim Scott. You know, so if he was Jim Scott, no one would remember him. No offense to anybody named Jim Scott who might be listening, but it's very plain. It also separates them. Death Valley, Jim Scott. Oh, that something... one. Now we know who you're talking about. <laughs> but Death Valley, Jim Scott, that's a name that will go down in history. Well, congratulations are in order for... Hawaii's own Jordan Ta'amu. He was the XFL's Offensive Player of the Year. It was just announced this morning. Love this game in Ole Miss. Love this game in the NFL, even though he didn't play that much. I really thought he would have more of a chance in the NFL. He did hang around a little bit as a backup. I do hope that by getting what he's done this year, the acknowledgement, playing in the championship, that maybe gets a shot at the NFL again. I don't know exactly how it'll work for these XFL players, but he's about as good as it gets. I know people have been tweeting, so I looked online. Some people were saying, A.J. McCarron, A.J. McCarron, who had a little bit better numbers, but Jordan Ta'amu had a better team, did a better job with his team, and the numbers are pretty similar or close yeah. enough. All right, well, congratulations. Also, the defensive player of the year, by the way, is uh, Pita Taumoe Penu. He is an inside linebacker for the – who did he play for? Played for one of the other great teams, the Vegas Vipers. Sorry about okay. that. But now, since the Rock is Polynesian and the two winners are Polynesian, they start saying, eh, juice? <laughs> huh? I have a feeling he didn't choose them to be the winners. Hmm. Maybe he had it some was, influence. It was uh, player, uh, the coaches and, uh, I guess, front office people uh, made the choices. But anyway – 
congratulations to Jordan Ta'amu. Hey, you know what? If you want to play in the NFL, certainly can't hurt. Yeah, God, I hope it does lead to another opportunity for him. Yeah, and this is supposed to be, isn't the XFL supposed to be some kind of G League for the NFL? Exactly. They, they announced that they, they are in conjunction. They are in kind of business with each other, sure. So. Yeah. I mean, who would you rather have as a backup on your team? Zach Wilson or Jordan Ta'amu? <laughs> you have, do you even have to ask? <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Rainbow Warrior Volleyball. Winning five yesterday. It was, it was, it was horrible. Listen, not horrible. It was, it was touch and go from after winning the first two, touch and go. Hawaii gets blown out in the third, but we win it in five. We're going to the national championship. Catch the game at what time on Saturday? 11 o'clock. So 11 a.m. first. Yes. And this is the most win they've ever had in the season in 29. 30 has a better ring to it, better sound to it, doesn't it? Yes, 30 it certainly and two. does. So let's hope that happens tomorrow. All right, let's go, Bows. Uh, uh, no uh, news on our Major League Baseball Hawaiians yesterday. Uh, nobody from Hawaii uh, uh, played. And we've got Rainbow Baseball happening this afternoon, too. Pretty important series against UC Irvine. Yeah, a team that maybe can help you know derail their season a little bit. You're tied in the standings with them. And nothing better than winning a series on the road. Well, there are a few things better. Uh, maybe sweeping a team, but hopefully they'll get a victory today to start things off on the right foot. All right, uh, let's see uh, what's going on here. we got the Kentucky Derby tomorrow. It's Cinco de Mayo today. Uh, more workplace discrimination going on in the NFL. A lot of people, uh, women coming forward with some uh, some not nice things to say about different teams. <sighs> San Francisco Giants, you hear what happened to the Giants? No. Yeah, a team-wide case of diarrhea. How about that? I get, They were playing in Mexico last week. They returned home, and uh, that was kind of the souvenir they brought. Poor guys. My gosh. 75% of the clubhouse, they say, has been living in the bathroom. Luckily, they start a six-game homestand, so they get to use their own bathrooms. Luckily, they're not playing in the Oakland Coliseum or whatever it's called with the eighth <laughs> play because those bathrooms don't work too well. Oh, boy. Okay, before we move on, check this out. We had a Life Matters moment earlier. This one is this one's probably even better than that one I told you about, Luka Doncic. Oh, not better, but really heartwarming. So there's a mom who won the lotto jackpot who just finished spending her life savings on saving her daughter's uh, life, her cancer cure. The daughter had cancer. She put every penny she had from savings into helping her. Well, she drained her life life savings and then got it back and then some just a day. After the chemo session, uh, the chemotherapy sessions ended, this lady from Florida won $2 million on a scratch-off card. Here, get this. It's even crazier. It was the last ticket left at the gas station she bought it from. Oh, I didn't know the that The last part. one. The last one left. And it's like, here you go. <laughs> and you say there's no God. Yeah, I'd say about that's that? fitting. That's... That was meant to be. And those are the ones you feel even better about when somebody in that situation is able to win something that they obviously deserve some credit for. And I'm glad for her, definitely. Glad for her family. Tiff Wells is going to join us in 10 minutes. Oh, also this hour, the best player you've ever seen wear a University of Hawaii uniform, Andre Iligan. Good friend of the family. He's back on the show uh, 
coming up at 8.35 this morning. In the NBA, Mike Gardenhoser, the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Budenholzer. Same thing. He got fired. So that makes three of the last four winning NBA champion coaches all fired. Mike Gardenhoser, Frank Vogel, Nick Nurse, all gone. Wow. Steve Kerr is the only one that's still employed. That's something. You know, I'm listening. I think it was Keyshawn J. Will and Max. And at one point, they, I was just listening, and they said Coach Bud got fired. And I got really concerned for our Coach Bud, but they were talking about Coach Bud for the Milwaukee Bucks. They actually did call him Coach Bud a couple of times. And, Makes uh, sense. Or he called him Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> battleship Budenholzer. Uh, seeking battleship, I guess, for him. I, I don't think it's right. That you, I, know, I know the team did not play well in the playoff. You also had an injured Giannis for, what, a couple of games, whatever it was. Last year, you had Chris Middleton out. And injuries are part of the game. And it is disappointing that they go out early these two years. Still, you, who are you going to get that's better maybe, with this team? Maybe because they lost to the, to the eighth seed? That, too. But, again, just losing in the first. You had the best record in the NBA this year. But again, you also had an injured star, and I don't. Maybe some people won't look at it, oh. saying again injuries happen, like with Giannis, mm. and they lost the game seven with Giannis uh, at mm. home, I believe it was. Uh, mm. Still, I, I don't like coaches getting fired under these circumstances. I think it's the wrong move. And again, who are you going to get? Who are you going to get? That's better. Maybe you're going to hear the, the phrase, "Oh, they need to hear a new voice in the locker room." He did have questionable moves in a couple of the playoff games where he didn't call timeout. So that makes some sense. But I think you get, to me, you get a little bit of a pass when you win a championship so recently in any sport for any coach. Okay, is uh, I guess in games four and five, yeah, double-digit leads. That's part of the deal. Um, you're talking about the timeouts. He said after game five, he should have called timeout to advance yeah. the ball at the end of the fourth quarter. He also did not call timeout before the final possession in overtime, and they never got a final shot off, and that's where their season ended. You see, a lot of coaches will have teams ready in a position. They don't want to call timeout in that situation yeah. so the other team can prepare on defense. You know what yes. your team's supposed yes. to do. So yes. I wouldn't criticize them for that. I'd criticize Grayson Allen for having the ball, or somebody pass it to him, and not even getting you know, a shot off in that situation. Look, you're fired. You're almost a 700 winning percentage with the Milwaukee Bucks, and you get fired. Something tells me he's going to get hired pretty quickly he probably will i just don't think it's the right move i'm not sure how the players feel but it seemed like he was well liked but those moves were questionable still the t- again the timeout in the last possession i don't agree with that criticism there right but uh, again he, his his record was 271 and 120 you know if you're the houston rockets you're, you're like you're, you're salivating at those kinds of numbers i mean you, guys like uh uh budenholzer get fired Yet guys who really don't know anything like Jason Kidd are still coaching. Yeah, that's a good I don't point. For now, for Jason Kidd. But, yeah, that's a good point. And, yeah, I, I was a little surprised at that. There was talk maybe after they got eliminated that that could happen. I didn't put much into it then. But hearing that news yesterday was actually a stunner. I, was, I didn't think they should have done it. And we'll see again. Who are you going to get that's better for this team? Uh, apparently in uh, the NBA, two years after winning a championship, and I don't know how many – years since milwaukee won a championship was was kareem abdul jabbar playing with them back then that was the last look it was luau sindor back then that's how long ago it was yeah so it was like 50 years ago or whatever you haven't won a championship he brings a championship two years later he forgot how to coach that's what they're saying oh you don't know how to coach anymore 
I totally disagree with that. Again, I mean, who you got? I mean, Jeff Van Gundy's always out there. I don't know if his name's even being mentioned. But you're gonna you're gonna promote an assistant coach like a lot of teams do. And Darvin Ham for the Lakers was a Milwaukee assistant. Um, we'll see how it plays out for them. But I thought I, th- I thought he got wronged big time. Don't like that yeah. at all. Uh, Lakers got blown out yesterday. I like. I was uh, I was going to watch the uh, the game towards the end of the game as I was uh, doing some other stuff. But uh, they lose one twenty-seven to one hundred. Do you think part of it is it was such a big emotional win that they couldn't recover? I mean, they kind of were, were off a little bit. I I don't think necessarily, but it's happened to them a couple of times these playoffs. It happened, I think, twice against Memphis, where they had mm. game one. They blew. They, they they beat Memphis pretty badly in Memphis. Game one, no John Morant. Yeah, and then game two, they get destroyed by Memphis. Without John Moran, I believe, in that game. So that was kind of surprising as well. So they have been, even though they've been playing really well of late, they also have been kind of inconsistent. And I I brought up the Anthony Davis factor yesterday, brought it up earlier in the show. And again, still a great player, but I think that's one of the things, to me at least, that separates Anthony Davis from being elite or one of the top players in basketball right now. He's still near the top. I don't know where I would rank him, but he does have those games where he kind of disappears a little bit. And you, you had a chance to really almost end the series for you know, it's hard to say that against Golden State because they were down 2-0 to Sacramento. But those games are on the road. They had Golden State at home and could have been, you know, ended that two-game homestand up 2-0. And you knew Golden State wasn't just going to sit back. They were going to come back and make some adjustments. Steph Curry would be fired up. They very rarely will have two poor games like that, shooting-wise. And they did play a lot better yesterday. They didn't take as many threes as they did. They also shot 50% on threes. 50% overall and 50% on three-pointers, 21 for 42. I mean, right then and there, you know it's going to be a successful game for Golden State. LeBron did what LeBron does, 23-7, normal game for him. He didn't play a whole lot. I don't think many played in the fourth quarter. But Anthony Davis only getting 11 shots. And, you know, 11-7 and seven is not a good game for Anthony Davis. And when he comes off of 30-23, and 23, I'm not putting it all on him. Again, give Golden State a ton of credit. Uh, Lakers' defense was not nearly as good. Golden State shot about 41% in game one and 50% yesterday. And, you know, I was watching some of the highlights afterwards and seeing, like, where things were just too easy. It's one thing when Steph Curry is Steph Curry and Clay is Clay, but they had some lapses on defense where it was so easy for Golden State. An out-of-bounds play where Steph Curry just found a player just right near the basket. Lakers had their backs turned. Nobody even saw it. Things like that are totally unacceptable with this team. And that's happened with the Lakers. They've been a poor defensive team for a lot of the season. I'll give them credit for the stretch they've been on since the end of the regular season. But And I'm glad that Golden State won to have a longer series and a series at 1-1. And I do want Golden State to win. But I think the Lakers kind of laid an egg yesterday, to say the least. All right, very good. Coming up next, Tiff Wells on the Rainbow Warrior Volleyball game coming up tomorrow on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, uh, apologies. A couple of you guys have texted in. We should give a shout-out to the Rainbow Wahine Beach Volleyball team. Uh, I believe uh, Van Sickle and her partner uh, won another some kind of All-American something award. 
but uh, they, they got awarded uh, with something uh, yesterday. But, hey, uh, they are going against Loyola Marymount in the national tournament today. You can watch it at 11 a.m. on ESPNU. Okay, but, you know, speaking of... We hear it might be delayed because there's a rain delay in Alabama right now, so it might start a little later. Okay, so just tune in. Check it out. Uh, check the Alabama Doppler. You see, that's why you don't have beach volleyball in Alabama. <laughs> Need I say more? No, you didn't. You need. You don't have championship volleyball at George Mason. I mean, come on, right? You got two West Coast teams playing in Virginia. Somebody didn't think ahead on that. Well, I don't think you knew they were going to be playing for the West Coast until yesterday. So maybe was somebody in the state of Virginia or Washington D.C. going to be playing? No, there? but Penn State's only a couple hours away. That's a couple hours away than playing Pennsylvania. <laughs> He's very upset. It, it, it makes no sense. Tiff Wells joins us uh, on ESPN Honolulu. Hi, Tiff. Hi, Chris. Hi, Gary. Happy Friday. Ah, happy Cinco de Mayo. Happy Cinco de Mayo, happy Boys Day, happy Children's Day, happy Oh, is today day. Boys Day? Today's Boys Day. Oh, happy happy Boys Day to all the boys. There's a lot of things to celebrate today. Hopefully it'll be a There's lot a to lot celebrate of boys tomorrow. Out there. <laughs> Tiff, great hearing you on the yeah. call yesterday. I want to get your first thoughts on Hawaii jumps off to that 2-0 lead after the first couple of sets. What was different in the third set, and what were your thoughts when Penn State did win it convincingly 25-16? It's a little different when you're trying to end a team season, and I think for a group for Penn State with they being so having so many experienced guys, a lot of fifth year seniors, a lot of graduate student players, it's a group that didn't make the NCAA tournament a year ago. And the way that Penn State came out against Ohio State on Tuesday in that opening round number two, number three match, they were looking to atone for losing in the conference tournament last year and not having that ability to make the finals. And the champion to make the NCAA championship field last year. So they were looking out for a little bit of a payback tour just to make it into the NCAA tournament, did so. And just for Hawaii to have an opportunity to close out a team and end their season, that's just the most difficult thing to do in all of sports. I mean, we talked yeah. about how the semifinal match is the most tough, is the, is the toughest game of the tournament because you're trying to do whatever it takes just to get to the final and give yourself an opportunity to get that last win of any match in the regular season or in the overall season. But just the way Penn State had such a solid group, experienced group, winning set three convincingly, winning a tight set four, and then Hawaii able to just get that early lead in the fifth and just side out their way to making it into Saturday's championship match. We saw, and I believe it was against Irvine at the Big West tournament when they lost a set. Irvine won that, and then Hawaii came back and played so well after. Yesterday, Hawaii loses the third set, came back, as you said, a really tight fourth set, 25-23. Do you see this team making sort of adjustments, or what happens in this team when the rare occurrence of losing a set does take place for them to respond the way they did? It's it's something where, you know, Coach Charlie Wade will mention it, and a lot of guys will say in their media availabilities that, that this group does lose it happens here and there and it happens a lot in practice every day and when you know when they go up in their in their a side a plus side in terms of their scrimmages they're used to having one side lose and for what this group has done the last handful of years where losing a match very rarely happens but they have that ability to make that bounce back now of course last night it took a little bit longer because you're up 2-0 you go to five and you have to come back after losing sets three and four and with everything all the chips you know out in front of you and 
season on the line for both squads, just so much on the line. Hawaii just, again, that experience for them, able to withstand some service errors early on by Penn State, give them that cushion and just that ability to side out and close out set five. And they hit 667, siding out at 90%. That's pretty, pretty good in your eyes. Tiff Wells joining us here. Excuse me, on ESPN Honolulu. We'll hear him tomorrow morning at 10.45 a.m. championship match starting at 11 a.m. I saw, Tiff, that Demetrius Muklius after the match said we made too many errors. Now, in set three when they lose by nine, I can understand that. Were they still doing that in set four, in your opinion, and how were they able to correct that? I mean, you look at Hawaii with with their match, I mean, you know, 20 hitting errors, but it, it was more the serving errors. And that was, I think, something that you could hear from the arena just, kind of the, the, the moans and groans from the Hawaii faithful. And, of course, a lot of people that were listening, a lot of people that were watching, just it, they were unaccustomed to how many hitting errors and how many serving errors this group has because they have been so efficient all season long. And, again, when you go up against a team like a Penn State, like a UCLA, where they will be going for it from the service line, you might have a few more service errors than normal because – everyone's trying to dictate the pace of the game and dictate the flow of the game from the service line. And again, all the coaches will say, if we can handle serve, if we can handle pass, if you can win that battle, it will be a good turnout. And Hawaii able to withstand the hitting errors, withstand the service errors. But again, when it mattered most in the fifth, Hawaii, no hitting errors, no service errors. Penn State, one hitting error, but had four, had four service errors in that fifth frame. So again, Hawaii able to utilize what the opposition gave them able to, when they had the opportunities, convert on the majority of the occasions. They lost to Penn State in early March. Next night, beat UCLA. Now you have sort of a similar scenario, except they won, of course, yesterday. Mm-hmm. What do you see in UCLA as far as the challenges they present for tomorrow's championship? It is a team that is one of the best offenses in the country. And, and, and like Hawaii, they have been pretty much 1-2 in terms of the AVCA rankings, in terms of the RPI, in terms of kills per set, hitting percentage, it's arguably the two best teams all season long. And yes, Penn State will make a case they have been right up there, and rightfully so. They have played very well, of course, beating Hawaii and and playing significantly well against Long Beach and also UCLA. But I think, against Penn State, I beg your pardon, but this Bruins squad, freshman setter, after last year having their player of the year, you know, starting this season, he has now left the program. He's playing professionally as, as a beach player. This hmm. offense is very good. They're very tough from the service line. And again, you linking it to a UC Irvine, you linking it to a Penn State where they will try to score quickly from the service line and they will be fine with 20, 25, 30 service errors because they feel that if they can't put the pressure on, if they can't get in terms of you know service aces, they feel that over time throughout the course of the match, their serving will keep the opposing team out of system, and they feel at the end of the day, the service errors will be okay because they will have the more efficient offense overall throughout the course of the match. Tiff Wells with us here on ESPN Honolulu. Coming up next, we're going to talk with uh, tennis star Andre Illigan. Let's go back to the serving. So, I mean, I'm okay with uh, you know winning by a bunch of slam downs or winning by a bunch of their mistakes and service errors. So do they have a couple, you know, the uh, Wildman, was it Wildman and Fisher we were watching yeah. yesterday? I mean, those guys were a couple of, uh, you know, Keone Thims out there. Do they, I mean, are they are they serving it? We talk about their serves, 68 miles an hour? 
They were they have guys that can bring it from the service line, 68, 70, 73, 74 Woo! miles an hour. And you look at you look at that freshman Andrew Rowan, and there has been a lot of hype, a lot of praise about what he has done throughout this season. He is one of the best setters in the country. But at the end of the day, if you're a Hawaii fan, and we all are, uh, we'll take Yakutella, player of the year in the conference times two, ABC national player of the year. You look at Ethan Chaplin. You look at Alex Knight, this group from the service line. You can throw in Merrick McHenry. You look at that hybrid serve where it is, you toss it up like a jump float, but you're able to get top spin on it like a spin serve. And it is uh-huh. a crazy serve that that middle blocker has, and it has a lot of tail. So if he's able to you know, make a lot of movement on that serve and more so serving in between Hawaii receivers, not so much serving directly to players. So it'll be key for Hawaii in that back row on serve-receive, whether it's Hawkus, Sheward, Galloway, if Yakana gets some run tomorrow night, it is key for Hawaii to especially get not only Andrew Rowan, but also Merrick McHenry off the service line and limit the amount of turns like they did last night with Wildman and Fisher, like you mentioned. Wow, that, that 73. I mean, you could get, could you get injured on a 73 mile per hour serve that hits you the wrong way? My goodness. It's it's about 30 to 40, maybe 50 feet away when you do end up receiving it. And again, that is, that is bringing it with pace without having the aided part of the top of the net. That is, you know, over 70 without, hitting the top of the tape. So these guys they are able to bring it from the service line just to see how throughout the last couple of years in, in the college game where the serves have become more consistent, high 60s, low 70s. And when Ooh. you can see Keone Thin top 75, it's quite special. Wow. Hey, Tiff, if Hawaii wins tomorrow, will you finally vote them number one over UCLA? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great question. Uh, I think whoever wins tomorrow night, uh, will be will be my number one team for the final off the block media poll and yeah we'll have to wait and see until what happens tomorrow night. Well, you're number one in our book. Uh, thank Aww. you very much, and uh, we'll really enjoy. It. We learn a lot every time we listen to your broadcasts. Thank you, Tiff Wells. Have a good day off. Oh, well, you don't really have a day off. You have other work to do, but have a well, have a good one. We'll listen to you on Saturday. See you on Monday. Thanks, Thanks Tiff. Tiff. Sounds good, guys. Take care. All right, the man with the plan right there, Tiff Wells. See, now, Tiff, that's a nickname, too. That's yeah. a great major league, you know, old-time major league True. baseball nickname. I don't know if he wants people to know that that's not his real name. Can we say it? Because he's got the coolest, his, his given name is probably the coolest name known to mankind. Gary? Christopher. Oh. Anyway, Tiff Wells joined us here on ESPN Honolulu. Well, congratulations to four of UH's men's tennis players got all Big West honors. Of course, the first teamers, Andre Illigan, and uh, also his partner, Lucas Labruni. They were named the Big West first team. Axel Labruni to the second team. And the honorable mention honors goes to Killian Miter. Congratulations to those four. So coming up next, the guy who is uh, making back-to-back NCAA singles Championship appearances, Andre Illigan joins the Animals on ESPN Honolulu. Blow, so 
Happy Aloha Friday with the Sports Animals on ESPN Honolulu, Cinco de Mayo Day as well. We're going to talk some University of Hawaii men's tennis right now as we are joined here on ESPN Honolulu with the sophomore sensation Andre Iligan joining us. Andre, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on all of your success. Thank you, thank you. Uh, it's, it's nice to uh, have me here. So, again, you're the first player ever to be all Big West twice, and I see that. I think another thing I think see about you has been being in the NCAAs, and I want to clarify this, uh, the, the NCAA fi- uh, tournament or singles tournament will be in Florida, correct? Yes. But are you in Oklahoma now, though? Uh, no. <laughs> He's no, on his way. Uh, that, that, that's the women's team. I'm, I'm, I'm back home, uh, going to be training for the next few weeks here. Well, watch out for the critters. They got a lot of critters over there, Andre. <laughs> How do you explain your success? I mean, again, the first player to make All Big West twice. Uh, the record you have had, everything about your your career so far. I mean, can you describe how you've been br- brought up as a tennis player, practicing, getting to the level you are right now? I mean, uh, I think it's just every day trying to get better and not focus on uh, focusing on the results pretty much because I think if I focus on the results, I put too much pressure on myself and just enjoying my the sport I love and, and just doing that every day. Okay, so May 22nd to May 27th, the NCAA tournament in Florida. Do you know who you're going up against in the first round? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, we have to show up there maybe like two, three days before, uh, sign in, and uh, probably the day after that they, they release a draw. How do you prepare for an opponent on two days' notice? I, I guess that's a little bit different than the regular season, but how do you prepare on a couple of days' notice? A lot of film, or how does that work? Uh, for me, in general, it's just uh, playing twice a day for me and uh, make sure that I keep my conditioning up, uh, You know, making sure I'm physically ready pretty much and stuff like that. I mean, film is nice, but at the end of the day, you just uh, jump on a tennis court and, and you figure out the game plan and what solutions you can do. All right, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, the pride of Farrington, Andre Illigan, tennis star with UH. Now, you're also successful in doubles play as well. How do you balance the two? I mean, uh, for, for us, I mean, especially in college, I think doubles is more like energy and, and stuff like that. And when you play, I played with um, Lucas for a long time, so we, we kind of had great chemistry together, so... We just show up and try to do our best, and then I think of it as like a warm-up for singles because, you know, we play doubles first and then singles right after. Yeah, and you don't have to play so hard when you're playing. Not play so hard. I don't mean to, you know, put it down, but you don't have to expand as much energy because there's two guys on the court, right? Yes. I mean, uh, it's like when you play doubles, it's like you have uh, someone that can, you know, back you up when you're not doing so well. So I think that's great. Mm. If I have it right, you had a 16-3 and record this year in single, but you started off 1-3 and and won 15 straight. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I think uh, just trusting the process, I think, throughout the semester. I mean, I played, you know, probably three guys that were, maybe two out of the three guys in the beginning of the year that were, you know, top 20 in the country during the time. Mm. And I had uh, I had opportunities to win, you know, one of those matches, but I, I couldn't close it out. But it just helped. Build, I mean, not necessarily build some confidence, but realize that, you know, I can play at that level for a while. And I just kept a mindset of uh, I'm the underdog all year. Do you ever play tennis maybe just by yourself or at a court and somebody challenges you? <laughs> uh, not necessarily. I mean, 
when when they see me practicing, I'm usually just in the zone, so they don't they, they don't really bother. Okay, that's smart on their part, I guess. But maybe you can go. Maybe you can go down. Maybe Andre, you can go down to um, like you know, um, Alamana Beach Park, and you see some guys playing. You go, hey, uh, you guys, I, I'm just learning tennis. You guys want to play for five bucks? You know, something like that. Hey, that's uh, maybe, how Tony Finau. That's how Tony Finau got his start. Him and his brother would would uh, sandbag a bunch of uh, people on the golf course. <laughs> Being in the NCAA tournament for the second time, does that make it a little bit easier? We've talked about the fact for like men's volleyball being in the championship a couple of years in a row, or three years in a row now, that maybe it makes it a little bit easier with the pressure or what the expectations are when you get there. Does that make it a little bit easier for, this, for you this time around? Uh, yes, I, I would think so. I think last year, you know, I, had, I was dealing with a lot of pressure. You know, I went from being the underdog to, you know, being one of the best players in the country. So I had to really uh, transition that last year and this year i you know i've gotten used to being you know like a top ranked guy and, and you know uh target on my head all the time so mm. i'm just enjoying this second one and hopefully uh better things will happen this year we'll see so when you go to the national tournament i imagine you have a coach with you right <laughs> yes i have coach Joel with me yes is, is that basically it i mean is there a trainer is there anybody else or is it just you and your coach uh, just my coach and I, I mean, it's just individuals at this point. I mean, there's trainers on site that I can work with and stuff like that. He doesn't bring his, uh, you know, his chef or, you know, the rest publicist. of his, uh, yeah, the publicist, they all stay behind. How, can you explain to us how the format works? Again, the tournament, May 22nd to May 27th in Florida. How does the format work? How many players will be there? Uh, so there'll be for singles. It's uh, 64 players at Gale. Uh, you know, same format as, as college. Or, I mean, throughout the years, uh, two out of three sets. Uh, if you uh, split sets, then you play a full third, and that's it. Do you pattern your game after anybody? Do you look up to somebody, and maybe this is how you tried to start playing tennis, or at least at least for even now? Uh, it's tough because uh, my my uh, childhood uh, idol was uh, Rafa Nadal, and and I play nothing like him. And, uh, <laughs> I watched him play now. It's like he plays a very tiring game. And, you know, I, I like to be on the court as uh, little as possible. So, I mean, now I don't really have an idol. I think I just really focus on myself because I can believe, I believe that I can be there someday. All right. Well, you are our idol. Andre, good luck on the mainland. Uh, tell Coach Joel we said hi. And you make us proud. We're all rooting for you. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, Andre. All right. There he is, former Farrington governor, now the best player we've ever seen in te men's tennis at UH. Andre Illigan joining us here on ESPN Honolulu. It's uh, quarter, to, um, quarter to nine here with the sports animals. And, uh, boy, there's so much going on this weekend from – all of the, uh, you know, well, we've got really the weekend starts today, right, here on Cinco de Mayo? Yes. So you got the state championships in softball and baseball, and uh, we will have the softball D1 and D2 championships on CBS 1500. That's starting at 4 o'clock today. And uh, once again, that is going to be uh, at 4 o'clock, you hear Pack 5 against Waimea, followed by Campbell and Kamehameha. Campbell and Kamehameha softball. That is one Big-time heavyweight prize fight. Should be a lot of fun. I can't, I'm not sure who's going to win. I don't have a favorite. I'm just hoping it's a close game. All right. Uh, also on the uh, baseball side, Baldwin will be taking on Kamehameha on the D1s, 
and Kauai against Damien on the D2 side, same time at Les Morakami Stadium. If you want to get tickets to those events and uh, support the teams or your uh, you know your school, uh, remember you get your tickets at E-Ticket Hawaii. They're not selling paper tickets for that, but it's super easy to do. Good showing uh, in these uh, tournaments by the neighbor islands and the ILH. And uh, just a programming note once again, so Rainbow Baseball is happening today, and that is at 2.32 p.m. For the coverage, first pitch at 3 o'clock. All right, here on ESPN Honolulu. It's 8.46. We'll be back to wrap it up here on ESPN Honolulu. Last night I dreamt I was returning And my heart called out to you But I fear you won't be like I left you Oh, you saw that, Tatter. So what? Go ahead. You know, I saw this a couple of days ago, but I thought it was an interesting topic, and I think it could go either way. And it involves Draymond Green and the Golden State Warriors. It just came out recently, even though the, the scenario took place, what, a month or two ago. LeBron mm. James, you might remember, even Chris sure. might remember, uh, broke the all-time <laughs> scoring record a few, again, like a couple months ago. Draymond uh-huh. Green is now very has been close to LeBron James for a number of years. He talked about joining the Lakers maybe next year. Where oh. Remember what he did in the playoffs one time? They weren't as close in the right way, but... But now they, I guess, are. Anyway, Draymond Green asked Steve Kerr, is it okay if I leave the team for a day, not for a game, but for a practice, and go watch LeBron break the record? And they were they were on a travel day, I believe, at that point. Steve Kerr told him no. And his reasoning was, we're all getting ready for our next game, and you leaving the team would send the wrong message. Yeah, And I agree with Steve Kerr on that. I sure. kind of fault Draymond Green, in a way, for even asking that. Even though it wasn't a game he was going to miss, you got to be all in with your team. And to me, that showed, at least on that time, that, that time, that he wasn't all in, wanting to watch a record being broken in person. And I'm mm-hmm. glad Steve Kerr took the stance he did. But it was, it was something that was brought up a couple of days ago, and I'm glad they didn't give in to him. And I wonder yeah. what his teammates think about that. Again, I mean, it might be maybe yeah. much ado about nothing, maybe. But at the time, I mean, I'm sure they were uh, asked about it or knew about it. And I wonder how they felt about it, that, you know, this guy isn't all in. After, you know, claiming to be all in, it's all about Golden State. And I know he's a good team player for the most part. He's also kind of erratic in a lot of areas. But for him to want to leave the team even for a practice, again, it's wrong. But you hear so many times, and this is from people who are on the team, he is the the heart and soul of that team. He's the soul of the Golden State Warriors. So if he's saying, hey, I want to go watch uh, LeBron James, you don't mind. I'm sure the players are used to that kind of stuff. And I don't think that um, Draymond Green in his Draymond mind is thinking, oh, because I want to go watch this, it's not, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not all in. In fact, if you look at Allen Iverson, talking about practice? practice? Not a game practice? You're talking about practice? Well, he was all in, but he didn't like practice. If you saw the last dance with Michael Jordan that series a couple of years ago, Dennis Rodman left the team to go to Las Vegas. He needed to get away. I mean, that was, and they let him, although he never came back, and Michael Jordan <laughs> showed up in his hotel room and basically dragged him out of the room, according to those reports. Right. That, and I don't think that situation was right either, but for Dennis Rodman, it might have made sense. They felt like they needed to let him do that so he could be Dennis Rodman on the court. 
Well, obviously, Dennis Rodman was all about Dennis Rodman. You know, follow his life. That, that guy was all about himself. I think Draymond Green's more of a team player. It might not look like a team player to some people, but in his mind, he's a team player. Oh, sure. And again, that might not be a big deal to some people, but just when you know, it's when it's all about the team. You know, it's one thing. To, I mean, if it's a personal thing where maybe your wife's going to give birth or it's a health situation with somebody, that's a little different. But mm-hmm. to watch an opponent break a record. No, uh, I agree. That's, I think, really wrong. And I, I didn't, not that it bothered me. It's just kind of mm-hmm. weird that he would ask that. Uh, and, again, he didn't have any problem, according to what I read, that's when Steve Kerr did it. Well, that's what he's saying now, at least. I don't know why it came out two days ago. Well, Maybe because they're playing each other again. Well, I wonder. I mean, I don't have it in, you know, we don't have it in context. It could have been sitting behind Steve Kerr on a bus. Do they ride buses? Sitting on a bus and saying, hey, hey, mind if I uh, skip practice today? I'll go watch LeBron. <laughs> was it that or was it i need to sit down with you coach it's really important to me and my mental health for me to go watch lebron james break this record there's two very different ways of asking right there isn't there yeah but i don't think he would, he would ask because of his mental health that doesn't really i'm just I'm, I'm making it's just an example is what i'm saying is a serious question or hey mind if i skip practice and go watch this guy uh, break the record that'd be kind of cool Who's with me? Well, reports show that Draymond Green wanted to skip practice to go watch LeBron J- I don't know. I don't have it in context. But anyway, you know what? You have a great weekend. I'll see you Monday. It's the Sports Animals here. Remember, we got baseball, 2.32 p.m. on the radio today on ESPN Honolulu. State Championship Softball this afternoon on CBS 1500. And, of course, uh, the NCAA Championship Men's Volleyball game 10.45 tomorrow. We'll see you later.